I'm Carol Cohn, and welcome to Purpose 360, the podcast that unlocks the power of purpose to ignite business and social impact. Today, we have the extraordinary privilege of engaging in a compelling conversation with Perry Yeatman, the head of corporate for Save the Children, an organization that needs no introduction because it is over a century old and it has been a beacon of hope for children worldwide. Save the Children's legacy is profound. It's rooted in the conviction that every child deserves the right to grow up healthy, educated, and safe. In 2022 alone, SAVE reached a staggering 118 million children in 116 countries responding to, unfortunately, two wars, dramatic challenges in our climate from floods to fires to earthquakes and even famine. And this has been responses in over 70 countries. As we embark on this enlightening conversation with Perry, it's crucial to underscore the urgent needs in regions ravaged by conflict, such as Gaza and the Ukraine. In the midst of this holiday season, it's a stark reminder that hundreds of thousands of children in these regions are caught in the crossfire facing such extreme challenges. So let's get started. I have known Perry, I think, at least for two or three decades. She is the consummate professional, having worked in with for-profit, not-profit, government, philanthropy, crisis, advocacy, et cetera, for incredible agencies and organizations. And I would just like to say she's uh, almost like a saint. And she's laughing. I'm blushing. I'm blushing. Okay. And, and um, I, I have to t- say to the folks, the leadership at SAVE, that they're very fortunate to have her because she is such a committed professional. So enough about Velling, about you, Perry. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Carol. That was uh, above and beyond as a kind introduction. Oh, thank you. So why don't we just start out that head of corporate at Save the Children. So can you explain for those of us who don't know what that title means? Uh, Yes. um, Head of corporate basically means that if you are a corporation and you want to do a partnership with Save the Children, uh, that you are probably going to come through my team, either directly the team I directly lead, which is uh, Save the Children US, or now um, I am the head of a a global uh, network that we have called the GCPG, the Global Corporate Partnerships Group. What it really means is we have a group of practitioners around the world whose expertise is building big, sustainable, scalable, replicable partnerships with companies. Give a little bit of the names of who you've worked with, because you are bringing this incredible skill set to this very important job. I really think of myself as a business person, but a business person whose passion is finding the positive power of big business, right? Like, how do you create um, more good, less harm, if you will, um, from the positive power of big businesses? I worked at Burson Marsteller. I worked at Shanwick, et cetera. For Burson, I literally got to work right around the world, Asia Pacific, uh, Middle East, uh, Russia, then London, et cetera. And then I went in-house. I was uh, Unilever was my partner, uh, my lead uh, client at the agency of Burson Marsteller. Um, so I went in-house for Unilever in uh, 2000. 
So I was in-house uh, in North America. I was with them a total of seven years as a, as a consultant and in-house. Then I went to Kraft. Um, so I was uh, effectively the global head of corporate and government affairs for Kraft Foods and the president of the Kraft Foods Foundation. Then I um, went and I went out kind of on my own. Um, I started in working in a social, I was a, a part-time CMO in a social impact business. Uh, I was of my own business. I wrote a couple books, uh, all of which <laughs> were about helping women um, in the workplace and how to, you know, getting women up to the C-suite. Um, and then I uh, was really focused also all this time, though, on, uh, I looked at, at that, you mentioned education. I also worked for the Kellogg School of Management, uh, which I absolutely loved. It was another sector, but also really working with a dean that was focused on the positive power of business, right? So all of this kind of led me to see that all of the other sectors were changing and were really um, evolving strategically on how you could uh, address social issues through business. And, and you know, whether it was the education field or whether it was um, government or whether it was the companies themselves. But I saw that the part that was probably lagging a bit, you know, again, this is more than a decade ago, was the NGO part. And so um, I really thought about how do you put your money where your mouth is? Um, and when my life took a turn that really led me to rethink what did I want to do in this next chapter, the answer was so clear. It was not only nonprofits, but it was Save the Children. Oh, very, very focused. An amazing background. And so for anybody who wants to do really effective global work look at the way you can get there to do it with a very different you know different background let's talk about the history of save the children the organization is it's over 100 years old yes indeed you know and i think what what matters is not that we've been around for 100 years what what the 100 years really matters is saying we have obviously learned to continually evolve and innovate uh, and to grow because it, you don't get that kind of longevity without relevancy, right? And so we were actually started by like an incredibly, uh, an amazing woman, um, Englantine Jeb, who saw after um, World War One there was this gap. Um, there were children starving um, in uh, many markets in Europe and they were not getting food and they were seen as enemy children, right? So they were not being fed. And her view from the very beginning was children have rights, children did not start these wars, um, and that all children deserve um, to be fed, right? And so uh, globally, it really came out of a war um, and the uh, deprivation of children uh, that we saw after that war um, that was the founding of Save the Children. Is there like a simple statement, uh, the purpose of Save the Children? The very simple thing is we uh, support, so we are the, we're the world's first and uh, largest independent child rights organization in the world. So that's child rights thing. organization. Okay. Yep. But in addition to that, what we really focus on is health, education, and protection. Fascinating. Let's talk a little bit about the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child, because we know that that is a core, dare I say, not thematic, but a directional for you to do your work. Correct. Correct. We were actually one of the founding members uh, of who created that. Um, and it's basically, you know, I, I always think of the, the Hillary Clinton quote about how women's rights are human rights or human rights are women's rights. It's the same concept for kids. 
Now, I'm really focused on corporate. We have lots of other people who are focused on many other uh, parts of the solution, but I work with companies almost exclusively. And what we're looking at is how do child rights play into business, right? What are the rights of children in a business context? I apply that UN Convention on Child Rights into the business setting and then try to help businesses understand what their responsibilities are, but also how doing the right thing by kids, since this is the future generation uh, of the world, it is really helping them in the long term and helping us all. I think it's really fascinating, Perry, that you're talking about educating business of the engagement, support of how children are wrapped into that business. Can you just talk a little little bit about like how the supply chain is critical in terms of children and companies and ethics and fairness and transparency? You know, one of the things that I think is important for, for listeners to understand is like, how do we choose where to work? We go where there is critical need for children and where our types of intervention, whether they be short term or long term, because we do both, uh, you know, will truly make a difference. Right. So when it, I think it was the ILO that came out with, you know, research recently and then the, the labor department also uh, backed it up. And it was a staggering number of kids were in supply chain work and in agricultural supply chain, smallholder agriculture supply chains. And a lot of this was the worst forms, right? It was where children were not being able to go to school, where they were um, doing um, hazardous things that we all agreed that they shouldn't um, have to do, et cetera. So there was need. It was clearly there was need. In addition, there's no company that wants to see that happening. That's not what they condone. It's not what they want. It's that these issues are extremely complex. They are, they're different based on the crop. They're different based on the country. They're different based on, um, the culture, the cultural dimensions of, uh, working as a child, right? Are very, very different. Um, so, and, and we have to be respectful of that. We have to be mindful of that when we, when we, when we think about how do we solve these things. Um, you know, the NGOs alone can't solve it. Companies alone can't solve it. Government alone can't solve it. So we are often a convener. We are seen as a credible, trusted source of information and data, a reputable third party that can bring companies and other uh, bodies together to say, what we're in it for is the kids. And how are we now going to tackle this in ways that are much more efficient and effective so that it's not about the company having to pay more um, uh, necessarily, but it is about getting more impact for the kids. So, so let's just talk about a partner program in any area that you're really, really proud of. And why are you so proud of it? I'm proud of the Barbie campaign um, that we did this past summer. It was a great movie. I took my mom, you know, I went with my, uh, I took my daughter, I went with my team. It's a fabulous movie. It had great messaging. It was entertaining. It really, it just delivered in so many levels. So what was great about that is it was a triangulation, Warner Brothers Discovery and Mattel. Uh, they came together. They wanted to send a message on gender. They really wanted to talk about, um, you know, girls and equality and, and, and gender. And 
So they came to us. This was a global alignment behind a campaign we activated in many countries around the world. And we were really, it was a game changer in terms of visibility, which is what we were using it for. We really saw it as an opportunity to put our gender work on the map. Um, and because people don't necessarily think about it. Um, I'll talk about something really, it's small, but it's just an indication of how important our work is in rural America. So floods in, in Eastern Kentucky um, last year, devastating, devastating. One of the things I love about Save the Children is we show up fast, but we also are there as long as it takes. In a lot of rural America, we are working with families where there is not a single child's book in the home, not one, not one. And so the idea of having their library restored, even when it started with just a push cart, right, and a few books, and then adding to that, and then helping rebuild the school. And so I, I thought about this example, because uh, Jen Garner, just uh, she's one of our trustees, and she is just, uh, she is so amazing, such an amazing advocate for kids. Um, and she recently did some some pieces, uh, some great media pieces. Um, and she was talking about a year after in Kentucky, and she went back and she showed what was and what is, I recommend you look these up um, because it really shows what a difference Save the Children can make um, when a disaster strikes and really turn it into uh, a moment of positivity and that community, just such resilience, right? It'll, it's a feel-good moment, I think, for the country if you look at what we can do when we work together. Thank you. Now let's pivot to the wars that are unfortunately having a huge huge over-indexed impact on children. So um, I want to start with, we'll start with Gaza and the Israeli-Hamas conflict. It's hard for you, but but it's hard for anybody. Um, I think it's important to our listeners to note that you have been in, in the Palestine since 1993 formally. So how is SAVE maneuvering, helping these children that are just so at risk in this war? I want to start by saying every conflict, um, every natural disaster is really hard. Um, I think this one is even, uh, you know, similar to Ukraine. It's so personal to so many people. And that makes it even harder because we're doing the work um, and the real heroes. Let's be clear. I love my job and I'm so proud of my team. Um, but I think of the heroes that save the children are the people who are actually out there um, delivering the aid, the care day after day in these very, very complicated, difficult contexts, um, often without electricity, often um, also not, you know, they're living right there with the people that we're trying to help in many cases. So it's it's very challenging. And I want to just give them a shout out um, in terms of. Uh, the way we view it and our CEO, I think, said it best is every war is a war on children. And I, and I talk about this with companies and I talk about this with any audience that asks the question because we have made it a point for a hundred years to not take sides based on politics, not take sides based on religion, not take sides based on geography. We see children as the victims of war always. So it's always about the kids for us. And we're going to go where the kids are in need. And, and, and that's just how we we work. So as you said, we were able to move faster in places where we already were. But we knew children were also suffering 
in, in Israel, for example. And we were committed to trying to figure out how we, what is the best role we could play to help those children? Because maybe it's not to be on the ground there. Maybe it's other things. Uh, and in the end, what we've been, what we've been looking at is Israeli organizations that are already there, already operational. How do we support them? Um, we often partner locally. If there is a local organization that is already there, we don't want to duplicate. We don't want to compete. I would love to go to the area of mental health support because you've got the day-to-day injured. Do they need medical help, water, food, shelter? But then there's the near-term and long-term mental health impact. That's exactly right. How are you, how are you addressing that? And that's something we've seen and been active in for a long time, the mental, socio-emotional well-being, right? Because you can't be healthy. You can't be considered healthy. Uh, you can't be educated. You're not protected if you are traumatized, if you are, um, if you are really suffering, um, from, from, um, mental health, um, uh, issues. And so that is part and parcel of the work that we do, um, in, in most contexts. Um, and I also want to pick up on something you said, which is, yes, we might show up within hours and it will be water and food and blankets and clothing, et cetera, because those are the immediate needs. But we are often the first one in, but we may also be the last one out because what we really are trying to focus on is the recovery. And it's the recovery of systems for the parents um, so that they can be the caregivers for these kids again um, and, and earn a living, et cetera. But it is also um, the physical, mental, emotional um, well-being of the child. So we may have guides for parents. We'll have guides for teachers. We'll have guides for doctors. We'll have guides for, um, you know, people who are the temporary caregivers of these. We'll, we'll set up child-safe spaces so that while the parent may be trying to rebuild their life, they may be trying to, you know, find other loved ones. They may be trying to register for in America, like for unemployment or disaster relief or whatever, um, you know, just get their phone working again. We might be caring for that child. And, and when we care for that child, we're not just making sure that they are warm and that they have a, a, a snack bar or whatever. We are really trying to make sure they are also being engaged in ways that are feel safe and positive and nurturing, um, that give them a moment of respite, right? Play is a great gift for kids. Um, it is, it's why we work with so many of the world's uh, leading toy companies and, and, and companies on play, because that is a natural way for kids um, to express emotion and to feel safe and to feel joy and the things that a child should feel. I want to turn to Ukraine. Uh, that war has been over a year and a half, and um, you have supported over 600,000 children. And, and I believe from your reporting that on average, the children are spending over 900 hours underground. And so, again, uh, you've been it's a longer war area. Um, how are you helping again with the mental health specifically in the Ukraine? And I also how do you keep Ukraine top of mind? When all of a sudden the entire world is pivoted to either earthquakes in Turkey or what's happening in the Middle East? Yeah, it's a great question. One of the real challenges for my team and for, for all of the teams in the NGO space are everybody piles in in the first week or while well, it's in the headlines. But the problem is something that was big enough to make the world headlines, it is not solved in a week 
or a month or probably a year. And as you point out, it's often years. If, if you take uh, a statistic I read um, not that long ago, it's like the average uh, time a child is spending in a refugee camp, you know, is 18 years. That's that's a whole childhood. That's an entire childhood that they their entire experience of life is a refugee camp. Right. So if that's what's happening, then we have to figure out how to deliver um, the greatest amount of normalcy, the greatest amount of education. Like we can't lose that entire generation because they're in, you know, they're spending 900 hours underground in, in Ukraine or nearby places or because they are in a refugee camp. We have to figure out how do you create programs that provide some level of support, even in those contexts. Like one of my favorite, it's just cute because everybody gets it, um, is the camel library. We go, we work in places where there's no electricity, where there's no road, there's no whatever, right? So we literally put books on a camel, right? And, and there's, and like, and the camel goes from, you know, uh, from community to community and kids get books and kids get education under a tree. Uh, or in the shade of a camel, um, and it's literally oh, that. the shade of a camel. Oh my that's, god, that it's that, that straightforward. That, that's cool. That's quite incredible. I, I want to ask you, Perry. Um, what are the top five things that a company needs to think about when they want to partner with you? If you're a company, the questions I'd be asking myself um, because you want something to me. Companies need to take the same kind of strategy we're taking, which is, and I did it at Unilever, I did it at Kraft, and, and I think it's the same thing companies said, fewer, bigger, better, right? It's fewer, bigger, better, deeper even. So for me, I, as a company, I'd be saying, do I have a fit between not just my philanthropic agenda, but the heart of my business? So if you, if we work in health, if you are a health company, and I know health is a very broad set of companies, right? So we may not do a lot in medical devices. We may be absolutely core with vaccines. Uh, we may be, we, we are key in the social determinants of health, right? So if you, depending on what kind of health company you are, you're looking for that strategic alignment to the heart of the business. The second thing I look for is you need somebody who's big enough that they can actually go big with you, right? You know, we're 100 years old in, a, in roughly 120 countries. You've got to see how you can scale something because, again, if it's little, it's not meaningful. If you're a $50 billion company, you know, even even a million-dollar partnership is not really moving the needle, right? You need to be able to go big. The next thing is you want resonance with your key stakeholders. You want to know that they have a mission that your employees could get behind, right? Everybody cares about employee engagement these days. Everybody cares about volunteering. Everybody cares about workplace giving, matching gifts, you know, all of this stuff. It all matters. It all makes a difference to the NGO, but it can also make a big difference to the business in terms of retention, recruitment, et cetera. Um, so I think it's very important that they look at what their employees care about and, and the resonance of the mission to reach a very diverse, this is one of the keys, right? Very diverse workforce these days, right? So you, you gotta pick something that's probably like kids, right? It's, it's very, very hard to argue against kids, in my opinion. Okay. So, so you look for the employee engagement piece. Then you would look for advocacy. Is there a link to advocacy? Is something that we're trying to change in the world, um, in an advocacy lens, is that something that they are also lined up towards? Because it's even better when you can line up that part of your agenda as well. So if I'm the company, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the heart of the business. I'm looking at the, uh, the employee. I'm looking at the advocacy agenda. I'm looking at, uh, are they big enough to make a difference? Um, and then the last piece is I'm looking across the rest of my stakeholders and how can I engage 
consumers, customers, suppliers, et cetera. Now, how about, I want you to do the same thing with communications. Okay, so we've got a great partnership going. Maybe it's early stage, mid stage or whatever. And um, there's a big antenna up there, especially Gen Zers and others. And there's also NGOs looking for you to, I gotcha. That's greenwashing, pinkwashing or kidwashing. What's the best ways to communicate and also stay out of the wash cycle? I guess, you know, in that regard, I'm really lucky to work for Save the Children. If I was to talk about, like, what is the DNA that we have, it's it's about evidence. It's about uh, doing something that really works. Um, it's about holding ourselves accountable first and then the partners that we partner with to make sure that we're really in it for the right reasons. People may pay small amounts of money for greenwashing. They don't invest decades and, and millions and millions of dollars um, if they're just looking for a press release, right? They're looking for change on the ground. They're looking to claim things. The second piece I would say is we're looking for partners that are the same, right? It's way too easy. Um, you know, when you dig deep, when you start talking to leadership of a company, when you start um, really trying to co-create a vision, um, you can see. Are they, are they interested in a big vision? Are they interested in really trying to do something that moves the needle? Or, or do they just want to make a big claim and, and say, like, how little do I have to invest behind this to be able to make that claim? Right. So you usually can, you, you feel it pretty quickly. And we're looking for the substance players. Um, we're looking for the companies that are going to make this commitment and are in it for the longer term. Then in terms of communication, in some ways, it's never been easier. It's never been easier to reach people. It's never been harder to break through. Um, or to, to have like that credibility and to really, um, uh, be of interest to people. So I think there are a lot of ways. We have an amazing team, uh, in the marketing, um, side, marketing communications that are really looking at telling stories that are empowering. Um, the other thing we're trying to do is, you know, move away from that white saviorism, right? Like a lot of these families, particularly when you're talking about a disaster, they were no different than my family. And it just so happened they experienced a flood. They experienced a hurricane. They experienced something happened. They have agency. They have capability. They are smart and resilient, but they've been put in an incredibly difficult situation. So your people on the ground are identifying uh, stories capturing them and then you're giving that to your partners do your partners have are they trying to capture on the ground too maybe in non-conflict areas do they go in and do the filming or the photographing usually we like to control that because we're very very cautious of child safety right child safeguarding very is important huge yeah right? it, it, it's like you, you, that's like the number one rule do no harm right, right do not right. do not do harm so we have care we have we have educators etc going into homes but we do provide um, assets and we provide stories and we provide data, we provide evidence, we provide testimonials. Um, we are trying to put children first as their own storytellers. So we are now bringing children to, like when we did the um, UNGA week, we brought children to New York and let them tell their own stories, let them be advocates. We have to let them be heard in ways that are safe um, and, and that give them a platform to talk about what they want in the world. I want to ask you a question. It always, it, it intrigues me when you have, and I'm, I, I give to save. Um, and Thank I get you. this, I, so you're welcome. And I, and I get this email, a two X match, three X match. Right now you get a five X match. So is it, how does that come about? Just, just really briefly. And how impactful is it? Cause it, it gets me. 
You have a lot of companies. If you give to one of their strategic charities, they will match it two times, three times, four times even um, versus uh, an employee getting to pick anybody else that they want to give to. So it's the same concept. It really does. Uh, it is proven as a motivator. We may get that money from a wealthy individual. We may get it from a company. We may get it, but it's, um, it is a great, and we, and we ask for it. We, we say, would you help us unlock mm, more unlock. Yeah. yeah, it's an unlock. It absolutely is. Oh, super. Thank you. I'm, that answered that question. I always wondered about that. Well, well, Perry, this has been an amazing conversation. I knew it would. Um, you bring so much, uh, great expertise, uh, your head and your heart and your hands totally, uh, to the cause of children. And we, we hope that our listeners will be moved to donate because you do need donations, uh, or to take their companies, uh, who hopefully are large enough to consider you a- as a partner. And we just hope that there's um, less war and disaster in the world so that children can not be robbed of their childhood and they can have an opportunity to really fulfill their potential. Thank you, Karen. So any last word, any last word from you? You know, what I want to say is this work uh, has just made me more grateful every day and it has made me more grateful for it. So as we go into this end of year season, what I would say to everybody is, Be grateful for what you have instead of focusing on what you don't have, because no matter who you are listening to this, you have more than almost every child we serve. Um, So just just be grateful. And to the extent that you can give, give, if not to us, to somebody who who could use your help. That's very, very generous and very wise. So thank you so much. And we really appreciate your insights and your heart. Thank you, Carol. It's such a pleasure. It's an honor to be on your show. I love your podcast and keep it up. This podcast was brought to you by some amazing people, and I'd love to thank them. Ann Hundertmark and Kristen Kenny at Carol Cohn on Purpose, Pete Wright and Andy Nelson our crack production team at True Story FM, and you, our listener. Please rate and rank us because we really want to be as high as possible as one of the top business podcasts available so that we can continue exploring together the importance and the activation of authentic purpose. Thanks so much for listening. 